like our species as a species one of the characteristics of our species is that we are creative like this is like every single person in the world is creative to me um because creativity is not about fine arts um it can include fine arts but that's not what defines it like creativity is literally like thinking a thing and making it real in the world Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. I'm recording this intro right after my chat with Azalea Moen, who you'll hear about in a moment, and who you'll hear from in a moment, Um, but I'm just feeling so cozy, and I'm feeling so um, grateful. Um, I absolutely love this chat with Azalea. Um, She actually is the business partner of Kelsey Meck, um, who is on in... Uh, May, I think, May, June, May, (laughs) I think. Um, So some of the things she says might sound a bit familiar, um, but I really, really loved this chat with her. We talked about a lot about creativity. We also talked about animism, which I um, really, really love. And I've talked about her before and she's been on the podcast in in April, I think. Um, But Steph from Witch Wednesdays was the first place that I've ever heard about animism. And she talks about that on her podcast and YouTube channel. And that's something that I really align with and really believe in. But um, I mentioned this in the episode, like the like internalized Christianity skepticism in me holds me back um, from like fully kind of living into something that feels true for me. So I really liked being able to talk about that, especially in the uh, frame of creativity. Um, we talked about grief as well and, and overall, like the cycles with creativity, um, as well as like how we can work with creativity and build a relationship with creativity and how grief kind of fits in, um, like into our creative selves and our creative journeys. So that was really, really amazing. We also talked about home. And what it's like to be a home for yourself. Azalea used the term spiritual homemaker, which I thought was really beautiful and and really it gave me chills. Um, Yeah, just a beautiful, beautiful episode. So today I'm joined by Azalea Moen. Pronouns are she, her. Azalea is a creative Swiss army knife power lifter, queer neurodivergent witch, and lovers of all things analog. She's wildly passionate about the intersections of business, creativity, magic, community, and care. So she co-owns two business, 
businesses. The first is an online community for creatives called the Coven of Creativity. And the second is a creative studio for rebellious entrepreneurs called Wilder One Studio. And we talk about both of these in the episode and the links to both of those are in the show notes. She currently lives on the unceded land of the Sioux and the Okanagan peoples in so-called Vernon, British Columbia, Canada. I hope you enjoy this episode with Azalea. Hi, Azalea. How are you doing? Hi. I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here. This is so fun. I know. I'm so excited to have you. It's always funny, too, because I start these episodes with like, hi, but we've been talking for like 10 minutes, so it's always funny that I do that. (gasps) The secrets are being revealed. Yeah. It's time everyone knows the truth. Oh, no. The scandal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm so excited to talk to you. I was telling you before we started recording that I've talked to a lot of mutual acquaintances and people who know you and know me. So it's really excited to get to actually talk to you. Me too. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I have a couple friends and obviously a business partner who's been on this podcast. So I'm just like so excited. Yes. And actually, um, Kelsey, when she was on the podcast, I think she was using your Zoom because it had your name. Oh, yeah. I had already seen your name before. That's hilarious. Yeah, that <laughs> happens a lot. <laughs> we'll hop That's on the Zoom calls together. There'll be two Azalea Moens. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> so startling. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I was wondering if you could give yourself a brief introduction of who you are and what you're up to nowadays. Yeah. So, hi, I'm Azalea Moen. I am, I mean, the easiest way to describe me is a creative Swiss army knife. I have ADHD, so, you know, very multi-hyphenate. I like to do a lot of things and I like to combine all the things that I like into things to do. Um, I currently kind of what I'm up to in a big way is my two businesses um, that I co-own with Kelsey Meck and uh, Aaron Hansen. Kelsey, who has been on the podcast before. Um, So the first business is called the Coven of Creativity, um, which is this like magical online community for creatives, which is so exciting and I love it so much. Um, And then we also this year are in the midst of launching a um, basically creative studio for rebellious entrepreneurs called the Wilder One Studio. Um, And in that realm, So I'm like a coach and a facilitator, and I also have a background in graphic design and um, leadership development. So that's kind of mushed all the magical things together. (laughs) That is so cool. And the graphics you've been putting out are so beautiful. Thank you. Oh my God. Wilder Ones has been such a fun, visually fun brand for me to work on. Um, It's honestly become my kind of like side hobby. I'll just like at the end of the day, sit with my iPad and like watch TV and make graphics because it's really fun to do. So I feel like it's been, it's been a delight to like play in that, in that brand for me visually. Mm, Yeah. I love that so much. And something that I've really been thinking about, like as a business owner, I, I watch all those marketing reels um which haven't been like helpful <laughs> in the long run what no <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine why <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just burnt out but um they always say that you have to really niche down and like do one thing and do one thing only and I really like that you just said that you are allowing yourself to do all these things and be all these things I really like yeah that. well and I feel like that's you know there's a place for the niche 
Mm-hmm. I personally am kind of like anti-expert vibes because I think unless you're like a um, neuroscientist or like a surgeon, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think within the realms of running businesses on the internet and like businesses being who we are, that I think that we're kind of over this, like we're culturally kind of getting over this part where you have to like lop off parts of yourself um, for the sake of like looking professional, quote unquote. Um, Yeah. And I think to me, the like interesting stuff, there's nothing, the only place that anything like new or interesting is happening is in the intersections of things. Um, It's like the intersections of, you know, different fields. is a place where new magic is happening because everything's already been done. So it's like, why not bring in your side passions? Why not see how this can combine? And also like, it's way more sustainable because you're going to enjoy it more. Oh, I love that so much. You're so right. (laughs) My, my big interest is probably like science and spirituality. And I love, I love all the things in that cross section. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's, it's that, that's an intersection is such an interesting interesting place um my side note I'm a power lifter also it's like one of my hobbies I lift really heavy weights um (laughs) and my coach in that uh realm Neil um who has his company is called Metanoia Barbell um his intersection is basically like mindfulness and spirituality and lifting and like lifting as a movement practice like yoga or qigong or like any of these things so I think it's like such an interesting intersection those things are like bringing spirituality into these realms and instead of kind of like trying to like hold it as separate because it's not (laughs) yeah oh I love that and I'm so intrigued by that because when I think of lifting because I lift a little bit but I'm sure I don't lift as much as you do um but I think like yeah like I'm gonna get shredded like it feels like a really like intense thing that I'm doing so I love the idea of incorporating mindfulness and spirituality in that yeah and just that like it can be an arena for kind of like personal growth and exploration and all of those things and also a huge mental health practice which I can talk about later when we talk about grief because that's when I started <laughs> oh yeah that would be wonderful yeah make a note about that um I do want to talk about the wilder one studio um I want to know everything <laughs> but <laughs> I want to start with the name and I told you this beforehand that yeah. I've been like looking into the wild archetype so I love that that seems like it's kind of in your brand or in the messaging of your business yeah definitely um I was trying to think this morning because you mentioned that and I was like trying to remember where the name of it came from um I think it's like I mean wild wildness rewilding the wild in general has been a part of every brand that I've had since I started a business when I was like 24. Oh God, that's almost a decade ago. Um, my like original um, tagline, I haven't actually tattooed on my body, is live wildly, love deeply and create daily. There's for the video. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, I grew up in a very wild space I grew up in the forest on like 16 acres of forest with parents who kind of left their fairly mainstream families and decided to like figure out how to build their own house and like have a farm and do all the homesteading so my parents were like hippies who were part of the back to the land movement in the 70s um yeah so I was raised in a certain wildness and I I think I've always um 
had a hard time integrating into like mainstream culture without being like this is like do you guys not see that we're all cutting off parts of ourselves like do you guys not see how this is not working Um, and so I think the like wildness I think is like a longing in all of us to um let out the parts of ourselves um that are there that we have to hide in whatever you know whatever capacity for the you know thanks to capitalism patriarchy all of the all of the isms and archies um and I think Wilder One Studios really is about just like yeah the ones who are resisting that and rebelling against that and um rebelling against business having to look a certain way and marketing having to look a certain way and creativity having to look a certain way um and it's interesting because the name itself actually I think was a project that I was working on probably about five or six years ago um and then I had to kind of put it down because I had some family stuff come up that I'm sure we'll touch on later but it kind of like went away for about four or five years and then just came back to me this last year and was like this is Mm. and it was a very different project at that point and so it kind of came back as this like new thing that it wanted to be so yeah I feel I think that Wilder Ones is just like that's who we are and that's also who we work with um so it's like both an invitation and a call to action and a rally cry and a like identity yeah I really like that and just from following your Instagram and I think I'm on your email list the authenticity of that really shines through and like I was kind of joking about I follow the like marketing stuff online and that all feels so like I don't know what the word is icky (laughs) like (laughs) like predatory scummy um and I can just tell that there's a lot of integrity and a lot of authenticity in Mm -hmm. this yeah, well, and I think that's a that's a big piece for us. And that's always the piece. I feel like so many people come to me as a graphic designer and as a like business coach also. And people are like, I hate marketing because they feel like they have to be sleazy and they have to be sleazy. scummy and they have to like be predatory. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like marketing <laughs> as I see it is all about relationship building and so you could have predatory relationships if that like (laughs) if that's enjoyable for you but I think um no I mean like I ran my business for the better part of 10 years without a social media presence for it without an email list um because I just built you know business existed before the internet like (laughs) you don't need social media yes those are tools to extend your relational capacity and your like capacity to build community in a wider area with people that you may not know in real life but really it's all about community building and relationship building um and to me that's what marketing is in its best form is like honest communication back and forth and like being of service so that when people need the thing they come to you because it's a great relationship Mm. already (laughs) yeah I like that a lot um and Mm. we talked about that with we meaning me (laughs) um I talked about that with uh Lisa in yeah like a month ago on this podcast about um like how her one-on-one calls like sales calls aren't really sales Mm -hmm. calls because they can be like so predatory and icky so I love that you're helping really reframe that while also empowering people to be their like creative unique selves in the mm-hmm. business world 
Totally. And I think it really comes across like when we work on branding projects and writing projects, especially like I think that's a lot of what we're helping people to do is rewild themselves um, because they've been taught by all of the internet experts. And also if they've gone through any kind of post-secondary institution, especially like writing, like mm. you've been taught what those are supposed to look like. Um, and so there's a lot of unlearning that we have to help people do to actually like become themselves online and like yeah. share themselves online and actually speak in their own voice. And I think that's always the like biggest compliment that I can get for my own work for myself and also for clients is when like, I love it when I meet people from the internet and they like have seen myself online for a while in whatever capacity to meet me. And they're like, oh, you're like exactly who I thought you were going to be. Like, that's how yeah. it should be. <laughs> like, this should not be some surprise between the way you present yourself online mm. and how you actually are in person. Yeah, that's so true. I think I told you that when you logged on that, like, I got a sparkly, magical feeling from you online. We're still online, but that yeah. like really shines through. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. You're welcome. Um, I have a question that's kind of unrelated-ish, yeah. but have you ever read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? Haven't read Big Magic. You mean the Bible? Yes. Uh, we're actually currently doing a Big Magic book club in Coven between our seasons of oh, creation fun. because it's like it's a mandatory reading for everyone that I work with. Yeah. Yes. Okay, perfect. Um, I love that book too. But you said something that had me go back to something I was reflecting on when I first read that book um and I think you probably remember that she had an idea and then she didn't act on it and then she ended yeah. up reading the same story yeah. but you just said like you had this idea however many years ago and then you picked it up yeah. and mm -hmm. I feel like yeah I'm like torn on the idea of ideas because mm -hmm. I think that kind of created like a scarcity mindset in me like yeah. I have to act on every idea or else someone else is going to use it but then yeah. also like you can sit on an idea and let it kind of like ground in you. So yeah, I'm just curious what you think. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is basically, this is perfect because this is basically the premise of the Covenant of Creativity is that mm. we co-create with projects. So we have an animist perspective of creativity where like the things that you are creating are their own beings, which is very much from um, Big Magic and lots of other places. But um, yeah, it's a... I hold that as being true um, in a, like, that's how I work with everything. That's how I work with client projects. That's how I work with my own projects. Like all of the projects that I work on are their own thing that comes to me and asks me if I want to co-create with it um, and how I want to co-create with it. And I've spent a lot of time and energy kind of like designing a, a, a like way to do that in my own process with things. Um, mm -hmm. But to speak to kind of like the fear around that piece, what I will say is I have had projects that I've like set down and not picked back up. I think wilder ones, I think sometimes there are projects that will wait. I mean, it's like friendships, it's any relationship, like projects, like they're, they are their own entity. So they get to choose whether they're going to like wait for you while you go through a hard thing or if they're going to leave and go find somebody else. Um, and I think the, the, pers the part around scarcity that I can offer is that um there's eight bajillion projects in the world that want to be made <laughs> and I don't I think that anytime that you want to make anything if you are open to it something will arrive um and that there is also such thing as right timing and that was 
you know, a big thing when, when the idea for Coven came to me, um, this was in like 2019, I, I was six months out after losing after. So I had a year where I lost a lot of people. Um, this idea came to me six months after the last of the deaths. And I was like deep grief, very little capacity for anything. And I basically had a conversation with him. I was like, are you serious? Like, this is a huge project. Do I look like I have the capacity for this right now? And they're like, no, we'll wait. And I was like, okay, but like, we're going to have to have some relational design around like how I'm going to do this. Cause I can't create the way that I used to create. Like I don't have that capacity. And so I actually spent like two months in conversation with this project talking about like if we were going to do this that like this is what I had capacity for this is what I didn't have capacity for and like what I needed for it to show up for me so that I could like pull this through the way that it wanted to be um yeah so I think that it's I mean it's like I approach all of these things the way that I approach any relationship um and I think that's a really useful framework and I will say for lots of people it's a like hard framework to wrap your mind around if you don't inherently believe in animism and what I'll say about that and I think Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this too is that it's like I also am a very skeptical person like there's a lot Mm. of things that I don't inherently believe in but I also am very aware like the way that I approach these things one of the girls in Coven calls it calls me pragmatical that's my like world view <laughs> so pragmatical so it's I like that if it's a magical viewpoint that like there's no way that you could know either way to me is like is it actually a useful belief to hold like is this serving me mm. to hold this belief and to me it's a very useful belief to hold and you can like try it on as a thought experiment you don't have to like change your whole worldview to hold on to this piece um but to me it's a useful piece to um useful belief to hold because it means that I'm not alone in the things that I create that there is another person that or another entity that I'm creating with which I don't know if you've ever tried to make anything but there's usually a certain part of the project where you start to lose your mind a little bit (laughs) like what am I doing what am I thinking who am I why am I doing this um and it's you know a nice nice thing to have another you know another voice in that project to be like we chose you for a reason like we're gonna get through this and and like somebody that you can actually turn to and have like a sounding board with and like conversation with when you're getting stuck on things and you're uncertain about things and that kind of thing and obviously I also recommend having friends and humans to do that with which is the entire reason the covenant of creativity was created but I think from a like personal process I think there's um something really healthy for the ego in that and I think Liz talks about it either in her book or in her TED talk of Mm. like there's some ego separation there so if it goes really well you can't take credit for everything um but if it goes really terribly it's not entirely your fault so there's something about that that actually allows our creativity and the things that we create to not be us so then when they're being critiqued Mm. and when they're being viewed it's not us that's being critiqued it's the project that's being critiqued and there's a like safety that happens in that distancing and I think that without that distance a lot of people don't create the things that they're called to create because they're afraid Mm. yeah Mm. definitely Mm. okay um can you explain animism as like a general thing a general thing yeah so (laughs) animism is basically the belief that other things have souls energy spirit divinity whatever so it's 
animism is like a blanket statement that describes many spiritual beliefs held in many different cultures. Um, and often you find it in kind of earth-based pagan spirituality um, where like trees, plants, rocks, mountains, rivers, oceans, lakes all have their own spirit and own, own energy. Um, <clears throat> I also, in both in Wilder Ones and Covenant of Creativity, we encourage people to like apply this to their business and their projects that they're working on, that they, you know, approach them as it is its own entity and have a relationship with it. Ooh, that's so mm. interesting. And I, I believe in that, but I think I'm kind of new to it. And my skepticism comes from like growing up in such a Christianized kind of yeah place. <laughs> city (laughs) um so I think that skepticism is like coming from like my own imposter syndrome almost Mm -hmm. so I really love when other people are able to shine light on like different ways that that can exist in ways I didn't think of um and I just would have never thought of viewing creativity through the animist lens and I really Mm -hmm. really like that yeah, I have very, I obviously have Liz to thank for that. And also one of my um, coaches and friends, Nisha Moodley, um, through another person here at Boga, also kind of introduced me to that concept. And it's been like a game changer. <laughs> now I work on my own stuff and like yeah. the level of sanity that I have while, while doing those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What does that look like for you, if you don't mind sharing, when you're kind of in communication with that project yeah it really depends on every project like um so if you think about your friends you know you probably have friends that you can talk on on the phone with on the phone all day um and then other friends who if you phone them they won't answer and then they'll just text you back (laughs) because they hate phone calls and then you have other friends who like maybe you just message on instagram so it's like I think it really changes relationship to relationship Mm, um I have one project that's like really particular and it will only talk to me if I like go into nature without any devices with like a notebook and sit down and like okay I'm ready and then like ask my questions and then do automatic writing to kind of receive what it wants to come through. I have other projects like Coven Coven of Creativity was a project that like demanded to be romanced so when we were first starting to work together I basically like went on dates with it once a week for like two and a half months we'd like go out to this beautiful Italian restaurant I'd like get dolled up and take my notebook and have a nice dinner and like while I was having dinner I would write and like download whatever was coming through I have other projects that like I find writing is my like medium for calling things through but um it really depends and also depends on how you receive kind of intuitive information um yeah I think there's lots and lots of different different methods to play with it um in Coven we do a lot of like guided visualizations to help people start to kind of tap into it and meet it and like start to understand the energy but part of that practice when you're like meeting that is actually having a conversation with it and being like how do you want to be communicated with like how do you Mm. want this relationship to go um so that's they're all a little bit different (laughs) yeah that is so beautiful I love that so much it reminds me of I'm kind of getting my feet wet into working with goddesses Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of how it's felt with them like they all have their own unique energy and they all want to be like met and approached in a different way so that kind of that's like helping me understand what you're saying a bit more yeah yeah they all they all have their own desires (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. And that actually leads me into another question I wanted to ask you. Um, 
And in season one, I talked to someone named Jasmine and she was one of my first ever guests and I like her so much. But we talked about how people think that you have to be a certain kind of creative Mm -hmm. to be creative. Um, Yes, I'm just wondering. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? (laughs) I have so many thoughts on that. Um, Like our species as a species one of the characteristics of our species is that we are creative like this is like every single person in the world is creative to me um because creativity is not about fine arts um it can include fine arts but that's not what defines it like creativity is literally like thinking a thing and making it real in the world so this is and this is where like creativity and spirituality come together for me is that like magic mm. and creativity like those are the same thing for me it's about you know thinking about what you want to create in the world and creating it um so in that context like writing an email is creative writing your like to-do list in the morning is creative making meals is creative mm. designing your home is creative um your relationships are creative like that's a thing that you can create and design and co-create um everything that we do is creative. Like the world as we know it, these computers, everything around us would not exist if somebody had not made those things. Um, You know, designing homes, electricity, like all of it, all of it to me is creative. So I think there's that piece is that like (laughs) creativity is literally the hallmark of our species. We're the creative monkey. Um, (laughs) So that's one of the big things that we talk about often in the like conversation as we lead up to our covenant creativity launches is a lot of that like oh I'm not creative because I can't draw because I don't paint because I don't dance because I don't sing and I'm like yes those are beautiful creative things and there are lots of people in coven who do that and there's people who like refurbish furniture and um are working on their businesses or we've had projects that are like a rebuild of my mental health was literally somebody's Mm. project for a season. So it's like, what is it that you want to bring intention into to transform some way in your life and in the world? And that to me is creative. Yeah. Yeah. When you were describing that, I was even thinking like, I feel like some of the self work I've done could be creative. Totally. Yeah. Mm. I think personal development, like we are our biggest creative project (laughs) Um, our whole lives. (laughs) Yeah, I think ourselves, Beautiful. our relationships, businesses, raising children, like to me, those are the big things that people often create in their lives. Um, yeah. And, but like everybody creates themselves. That's, you know, it's a co-created project with everything around us, but we are, yeah. we have a say in that. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Would you say that everyone's creating every day? They just may not label it that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Ooh. when did that belief start for you or ha- have you always felt that way I think I've always felt that way I don't know that I've ever had the language to describe it that way um I, mm-hmm. I don't think either of my parents would have called themselves like artists or creatives maybe my dad my dad was a creative writer um but my mom in particular, I don't think that she would have called herself a creative or an artist, especially because her mom was just like a painter artist, like, you know, fine artist, um, but was probably one of the most creative people that I've ever met and like created a massive homestead and like created community and created our education and created 
clothes and created like all of these things. Um, so I think I grew up in a house where people were always making things. And to me, actually went into art school straight out of university and left after a semester because it was a like highly conceptual mm. like contemporary fine art school and I wanted to make pretty things and there I was basically like shamed for wanting to make pretty mm. things and so I, I went to one of our critiques and like I had like spent hours and hours on this like beautiful thing that I had made um, that was like also highly conceptual and interesting and all of these things and a dude like literally scribbled on a piece of paper as he was like walking to class and put it up on this wall and like wax poetic in a very pretentious way about what it meant about the world and culture at large and he got an A and I got like a C plus and I was like yeah this isn't for me <laughs> so I think that that's maybe where my like rebellion in particular around fine arts and creativity came in but I think I've always yeah I grew up in a very creative environment so it's just always seemed obvious to me yeah <laughs> I am a somatic inner child healing facilitator and a somatic practitioner. I want to tell you about my inner child healing sessions for women who are looking to heal inner wounds and build a deeper connection with their body and their emotions. Women who long to feel safe in their body and want to learn how to build a supportive and trusting relationship with all parts of themselves so that they can show up in the world with genuine rooted confidence as their authentic self. In these sessions, I gently guide you to connect with younger inner parts of yourself and teach you how to navigate your body's memories that are connected to those parts of your psyche. We explore the challenges and intentions that you bring, and I help you understand what your inner children are trying to communicate to you through feelings, sensations, and patterns. Connecting deeper with yourself in this way will bring you clarity and insights and gently support you in healing old inner wounds so you can live your life feeling safe and free from the past. On my website, lisalunsman.com, you can find free resources about somatic inner child healing and how I can support you in your healing journey. You can also book a free connection call with me to hear more about how the healing works. You get $200 off of any of my session packages if you use the code SELFSUPPORT when you book the sessions. I am sending lots of love to you in your healing journey. It's like we put kind of perfectionism. I think Big Magic talks about that too, but mm -hmm. we put perfectionism over creativity. Yeah. But then it's like, it's like putting something over a candle. Like it can't really survive okay. when we yeah. put it off like that. Yeah. I feel like that's a huge part of the work that I do with clients, mm. both in Covenant and um, Wilder ones as often as like unlearning perfectionism um, so that they can make anything because it's just like holding them hostage. Yeah. That's such a good way to visualize it. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned cycles before we started recording. Mm -hmm. um, and you also mentioned grief as well. So I wonder if that'll tie in. Um, mm -hmm. But everything goes through its cycles and seasons. Yeah. And I'm wondering what you've noticed about the cycles and seasons of creativity. Yeah. Oh my God, so much where to start. So um, question. <laughs> I mean, the place that I'll start is my own cycles of creativity um which is actually like our calendars 
for both businesses are designed around mind, but also <laughs> my business partners cycles of creativity and that we like do the bulk of our work in the spring and the fall and like kind of rest in the in the winter and summer and so when I first started coming I beta tested it and I beta tested it for four months with the vision of holding it as a space that was open year-round and I got into it and I was like fuck no I cannot hold this year-round like I need I need yeah. breaks I need to like go away and not be holding space and like also not talk to anybody for like two months um both in the winter and the summer and so that like then defined kind of how our seasons go which they run between um the solstice or the yeah solstice and equinox and solstice in the spring and the fall um now and that's kind of yeah I think that's one of the things that's been the most helpful for me um creatively is really tracking both my seasonal cycles my like menstrual cycle and creativity um and also just like the way that I cycle in my work and projects too like the kind of arc of my creative process with things um, and tracking that, which I have been doing for kind of basically years. Most of my adult life, I've kind of been tracking this, which is then becomes very helpful from a mental health standpoint, um, because I think yeah. that we've been really conditioned to believe that there's something wrong with us if we're not able to like operate at the same level every single day, <laughs> which yeah. like we're not machines, we're humans. And especially if you have a like body that bleeds, um, there's very specific cycles that you go through and um you know especially if you're in an environment where there's like big seasonal change like you're an animal like we're all animals all of the other animals react to seasonal change like we also react to seasonal change and so and I think part of the like wilding piece of this is like actually acknowledging our animal nature and designing around that instead of trying to like do things in spite of that um mm. so for me that's a big piece of it is kind of like tracking tracking your own cycles and then designing the way that you interact with your creativity based on those cycles instead of expecting yourself to be able to like pump out a thing when like you can't do that like it's not it's not in the cards for you hormonally or environmentally that day um yeah. And yeah, and we're also like, this is a thing that we've been asked by like all of our clients and all of our, um, and everybody in Coven to create kind of something around this, like a way to, a method to like track this and create this so that people can kind of map this for themselves. And it is a thing that's coming. Um, and by the time that you guys hear this, we'll probably be just about ready to launch it. Um, yeah, so it's, I think it's probably the most important, some of the most important work you can do is somebody who makes things in the world is to understand your own processes and um, design the way that you create around that as opposed to trying to fit yourself around this like weird capitalist culture that is clearly not designed around us. <laughs> yes, clearly. Oh, yeah. That's so intriguing. Actually, I wanted to ask you about mm -hmm. the summer. We're mm -hmm. leaving summer as we <laughs> record this and I'm so happy, <laughs> but I feel so down and and like ugh, in summer but mm -hmm. in my inner summer and in my ovulation I feel the yeah. exact opposite so yeah. I feel very validated hearing you say that is that normal I hate summer so much <laughs> I was a baby too like I was like born in July and I have a Leo mood like I'm cancer Leo everything like I should I should like summer <laughs> yeah. I hate it so much I no, and I think that's part of part of the reason is that like 
we're not meant to like be playing in extreme heat and doing things in extreme heat but like for some reason we think that we should um yeah Yeah. I don't know what that's about but it's dumb and we need to stop doing it (laughs) please stop inviting me to things in the summer (laughs) like it's like in my home and air conditioning or I could like lie in the lake and we could talk all right but everything else just no (laughs) I think that's the thing too is like we I think it's also hard like we're in this like weird state with the pandemic where in the summers it kind of feels like the pandemic's over and so everybody just goes like hog wild and like tries to catch up on all their socializing and like 18,000 weddings and like all of the things I feel like this summer especially was like so frenetic like there was just so much like we have to do everything before the time runs out (laughs) yeah we missed out on two years we need to fit it all in two months Yeah, I I think especially here um, where I am in, um, which is like Pacific Northwest-ish area, we had so many fires last summer that we also basically had to spend most of last summer indoors. So like this area of the world didn't really get the like, go out and play last summer. So I think everyone's a little stir crazy, but yeah, I just want to live I just want to sleep. I just want to sleep and lie in the lake and like maybe work a little bit in the morning when it's cool and a little bit of the night when it's cool. But yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. It's not a creative time for me and kind of the same for a lot of people. There are people who really thrive in it. Yeah. As someone who is like mostly Viking heritage, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. yeah even like watching my dog she gets really tired and right. just sprawls out a lot doesn't want to go on a lot of walks in the summer we need to take our indications from the other animals that we live with who know what they're doing <laughs> clearly we don't <laughs> I know this is a small tangent and then I'll direct it back but I, love a tangent. <laughs> I, yeah, I treat my dog like the wisest person or wisest one in the house um and it's one of my pet peeves that people like really try and train that out of their animals because I feel like they have so much to teach us totally like I feel I feel that way about animals I feel that way about children too Mm, like if they're throwing a tantrum about something it's probably because it's like a culturally dumb thing that we just decided like arbitrarily needs to be this way when it's like kind of ridiculous and yes of course there are like you know children are children and throw tantrums about very (laughs) random things also but I think that there is like there's wisdom mm-hmm. that we're training out of all of us um, all the time. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I want to transition to grief. And mm-hmm. I know you mentioned that you went through that season where you lost so many people after like one after another and you had yeah. this big idea. So yeah, I'm just wondering what you're feeling called to share about that. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, well, I'll start with a little bit of the context of kind of what happened, and then I can go into pieces around that. So uh, between my 29th and 30th birthday, I lost five people, including my last grandparent, both of my parents, um, an uncle, and a, a, the son of a friend. I spent my 30th, 30th birthday at his funeral. <laughs> Uh, yeah it was a really fucked up year um yeah yeah, and it was really I mean grief is terrible (laughs) it was really terrible we'll start with that um I think that 
it's given me a lot of insight into a lot of things um, because of that. And it's also, interestingly enough, I think my own like rebellion against the way that we culturally hold grief mm. has really allowed me to release a lot of shame um, that I held about everything. Because basically for that year, and honestly, for the couple of years afterwards, like my capacity to be productive, my capacity to have, you know, be there for people relationally, my capacity to feed myself to like, you know, even like keep my house clean, shower at a reasonable frequency, like all of yeah. those kind of became impossible to do. And I think in a lot of other circumstances, when that happens, um, we like can't give ourselves the grace like we then like shit on ourselves for doing that and add extra suffering to this thing of like resist what's actually there and resist mm -hmm. the reality that's there and the reality of your own capacity and I think I was just like so much happened that I was really forced to just be like okay this is this is what I have every day and that changes every day um and that when you know when little versions of that happen and we have blips in our mental health or more than blips in our mental health I think a lot of the time we have a lot of shame about like why can't we do this thing why can't we do this thing um and I think that that was there was a lot of awful things that happened in that and there was a lot of permission for me to just like actually take what I needed in that time and space which then has become like permission that I give to everybody else because I'm like you don't have to have five deaths for you to like take a break and like take care yeah. of yourself um but I think it's allowed me to really model like not holding shame around my capacity or mental health or my like my changing capacity that changes daily and seasonally and that kind of thing um yeah I think just to like tie that in with the seasonal piece um yeah I feel like yeah. questions in there. I feel like there's another thread, but I don't know what the thread is yet. <laughs> I feel like there is too. I just yeah. want to say thank you for sharing all that and how thank awful you. that was that that happened within a year. Yeah, it's a like fucked up thing being an orphan in your 30s. Um, yeah. Yeah, and like I think that it becomes weird because I think that there's um it's been very hard. I'm 33 and it's been very hard for me to, um, relate to a lot of people, my own age mm. anymore, um, or less so now, but like the last couple of years, especially, um, yeah. because all of the people that I was knowing, know all the people that I knew whose parents had died were like in their sixties. Um, I mean, my mom, my mom's mom died literally two months before my mom died. So I'm just like, this isn't supposed to happen this way. Like, the yeah. um and it's also and at the same time couldn't really relate to them because it's very different being in your 60s having had your parents your whole life and having yeah. you know whatever that relationship it is for me like my mom was literally my best friend my parents were my like biggest support in the world and the people that I was like probably the closest to and losing um losing like home and belonging and your like safety net and also the like place that you process things and um yeah all of those pieces at that age yeah they're just like weren't a lot of people that could 
you know, people in their 60s, they have their own homes, they have their own families, they have these other experiences of these things, and they have other safety networks um, that I just didn't have, which has been, yeah, it's been really interesting um, and also made me, like, pretty vocal about the reality of grief and that grief is not a thing that, like, you're ever done with. Like, I'm going to be mm -hmm. grieving them my entire life. This doesn't end. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know what today is. It was a couple couple days ago. It was the anniversary of my mom's death. Um, oh, Four year anniversary of my mom's death, and just like talking with my sister about it, just like every time that I feel grief, it feels as bad as it did the day that she died. It just happens mm -hmm. less often now. Um, and there's like more time between the times that I fall into the like deep dark well, and mm -hmm. so I'm like starting to get to the point where I can like rely on my brain to be functional enough, um, and not in like mm -hmm. depressive grief states enough that I can like start to build things again, which is what I'm doing. But yeah. that like I think that people just think it's like oh it's been a year like you should be fine now and move on. I'm like that's not that's not how grief works. Like my parents are always going to be dead. Like yeah. <laughs> there's never not a time that my parents are. Um, gonna come back and there's you know it's a it's a forever thing so yeah but yeah I think yeah there's a lot a lot that came through that weekend or that year um, and I think a lot that that year required me to source and find spiritually um, to be able to like get through it um, that I don't think like I would have I would have necessarily done otherwise yeah yeah mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned that piece that it's never over and that's still something that you experience and will experience probably for the rest of your life how yeah. is that something that you or like how are you working with that integration of grief as you move farther away from the actual event Mm. Um, I don't know at this point that it's a super conscious thing I feel like for the first couple mm. of years it was a more conscious thing and I did like an obscene amount of therapy I feel like between my siblings and I some therapists made a lot of money we'll say that <laughs> <laughs> and then the pandemic happens the therapists are doing all right financially <laughs> um yeah so I think I did a lot I mean EMDR um mm. which it was designed as a method to like help um veterans process PTSD I mean like I had a lot of PTSD and still have a lot of PTSD from that year so I think EMDR from a like therapeutic standpoint that has been one of the most helpful things for me because I'm very bad at like talking about my feelings and feeling my feelings at the same time so ther talk mm -hmm. therapy talk never really like worked well for me um yeah but I think beyond that now now I think a lot of it um to me or at least the process that I'm the state that I'm in right now with it is like how am I actually like living out the people that I lost in my own life like how um the word legacy never really works for me but like mm. what are the pieces of my parents and my family and my grandmother and all the pieces that I the people that I lost that I'm like I'm actually living out in mm. lots of ways I mean this beautiful piece behind me belonged to my grandmother like the, there's the mm. physicality of that of like 
how have I actually integrated pieces that remind me of them into my own life um but then there's the piece of like you know what are the things that I like so love and admire about my parents that I want to kind of embody in myself and I think a big part of that is actually um before all of this happened I was nomadic um for most of my 20s I was like fully nomadic and <laughs> lived out of a suitcase for lots of that wow. and my parents were like my mom was such a beautiful homemaker and um not just in the like aesthetic sense but like the spiritual sense of it of like like my friends would call my parent call my house in high school and talk to my mom for 15 minutes before they talked to me she's great <laughs> yeah. like she exuded this sense of home and so I think that that's been a piece for me is like I'd never really wanted a home before because I had a home my parents home still felt like home to me but without that mm-hmm. that's been a huge thing for me is actually crafting home and so like crafting a space that holds me but also is like the piece that holds all of the people around me and is like the safe space and the like space that feels comfortable and wonderful and inspiring and supportive um and is here when people's lives are falling apart because I'm really good at being with people's lives falling apart now um so I think that's been a part of it um and then I mean Coven honestly Coven of Creativity especially is very much like so much of it is my parents lived out in the work of that my dad used to teach creative writing um my mom she wouldn't have called herself a witch. <laughs> I think she was a witch. She was like a certified <laughs> wild woman for sure. Like I was the kid that was sent to school with like homemade pizza with dandelion greens and goat's milk that we like <laughs> had from our goats or like goat's cheese made from goat's milk from our own goats. So and like she I grew up having tinctures all the time and like she was very much a herbalist. Um, so I think like that's you know and a lot of their attitude and their belief system um and my grandmother, grandmother was also a painter. So like a lot, I feel like a lot of their, the pieces that like really resonant in my soul, that was the work that they were doing in their own lives. I've kind of like brought to the forefront and I feel like that's one way that I'm like kind of integrating them. Yeah. Oh, that's so, you gave me chills when you said that the coven is partially like this lived out embodiment of them. Yeah definitely that's so beautiful and when you said spiritual homemaker Mm -hmm. to describe your mother um I I completely see that in you I think that's the energy that you give off that I was trying to explain well thank you I think yeah I think that is the thing that's always been in me but I never needed to be that because my mom was that and so it's like Mm. now become a bit more forward like I didn't need to be that as much and now there's like this gap in the world that my mom used to stand in that needs to be filled so yeah Yeah. oh that's so beautiful thank you so much for sharing um I'm curious what does like home feel like in yourself because you kind of described that that feeling yeah that's a great question this is probably gonna make me cry um just (laughs) so um, I don't know if I can answer it because I feel like that's what I'm like yeah. rumbling with now like I don't know that I have a succinct answer for that because what home was for me is gone and it wasn't actually just my parents like I lost a lot of friends and 
relationships and people just who couldn't be with my grief that year um so I feel like I lost a lot of my sense of home um and I'm still kind of in an exploration of crafting what that means for me um for me, there is like definitely an aesthetic realm for it. I'm a designer. I like pretty things. It's part of how I'm also a deep feeler. And so like creating spaces that make me feel like safe and inspired and nourished and like I can kind of just like be whoever I need to be in them and that everybody else can be whoever they need to be in them. I think that to me is probably like the foundation of home <laughs> is that like safety and permission to be whatever you are and come with whatever you have and um that whatever is here is totally fine which I think a lot yeah. of people that is a thing that's a, a lot of the like spaces that Kelsey and I hold particularly is that piece and I'm thinking about it yes maybe I do know a little bit what hope is but I'm still yeah, yeah I'm still trying to figure out what makes me feel that without these pieces who held those these people who held those roles in my life for a really long time yeah oh thank you for sharing that mm -hmm. um that means a lot to me too as I kind of navigate like my own like inner mother and yeah. feeling a sense of safety and mm -hmm. feeling comfortable with a sense of safety for the first time so yeah. that feeling of like home and belonging has really been on my mind the yeah, past few belonging. months belonging I think is a big piece of it yeah mm. and you're creating these spaces where you I, I don't know <laughs> it sounds like you feel like you're belonging with your business partners and and friends but then also like creating this space for strangers to find their own belonging and see that reflected in others mm -hmm. totally yeah yeah I think that's a big I mean, all of the things that I make, I always like, yes, they're for other people, great. But like, I make them first and foremost for myself because yeah. they're the pieces that I feel like I need. And I've done this work long enough to know that if I need something, somebody else needs something, needs that same thing. So I think, you know, I, we created Coven because it started because I wanted a community of other creative people to like, you know, be with and create with and bounce ideas off of and do magic with and, um, you know send cat memes and yeah. flail when you needed to flail and be held when you needed to be held um mm -hmm. in that creative process and same with wilder ones like I feel like I'm creating we're creating the um the lessons on marketing and business that I wish existed when I started mine when I was 24 um that didn't so I think it's yeah I think we're and I think that to me is also what like a brand is too and um your copywriting like that should feel like home for you and if it doesn't your business mm. doesn't feel like home if your business doesn't feel home and if your website doesn't feel like home and your social media doesn't feel like home like of course you're not yeah. gonna show up to it because you don't feel safe and you don't feel like you can be yourself and you don't feel like you can um belong in this space that you've started yourself so I think that um mm. you know that's yeah. a lot of the work that we do in Wilder Ones is helping people to like actually create a business that feels like home to them and you know all of the materials and branding and extensions and um expressions of that that feel like home to both them and their clients 
Oh, that's beautiful. And you mentioned rebellion a couple of times. And I feel like that is such a beautiful act of rebellion too. Like you're holding a space for yourself and others, and then also rebelling against the ways that we've been taught that it has to look and has to show up. Yeah. Yeah, I've never done well with rules. <laughs> <laughs> and good, like what have been created. <laughs> Yeah. That rebellion did for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm so grateful for you coming on and chatting with us. Thank this is, you. I think these conversations, they're, they're all good, <laughs> but mm-hmm. there are some that just feel like really natural and really authentic. And I think this is why I started this and conversations like the one that you and I just had make me feel so nourished and so uh, like rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Me too. This is so yummy. So it, uh, feels like fall. Your background looks like fall. We're finally here. We yeah. <laughs> uh, can you? Oh, um, can you please tell us where we can find you, and then please give us your self care tip or self care resource oh, yeah. for the week? Okay. So you can find us online. Um, you can f- find me and my probably still outdated website at azaliamowen.com. Um, I have so many websites to make that would blast on the list. Um, <laughs> you can find Coven at covenofcreativity.com or at instagram.com slash covenofcreativity. Um, and Wilder Ones, you can find at www.wilderones.studio. Um, and there, that's our Instagram handle dot as well wilder ones dot studio um currently it's just a holding page who knows by the time this comes out it might be a website we're still in beta things are happening slowly but instagram is probably the most reliable place to find us regularly at this point in time (laughs) awesome and Um, all of that oh sorry go ahead ahead. (laughs) no i was just gonna say all of that will be in the show notes and then if you come to my instagram i'll tag all of you as well perfect amazing um, and as for my self-care tip, I was trying to think about this earlier. Um, I think the like most regular self-care practice I've had, I don't really do routines well. Um, Rebel, can you tell? Um, ADHD, <laughs> what up? <laughs> so I don't really do routines very well or like daily practices, but I think the practice that is like held the longest in my life that has been the most potent and supportive practice that I've done is morning pages, um, which I don't know if you guys have talked about this on the podcast before. It's a uh, yeah. exercise that Julia Cameron, um, who wrote The Artist's Way, came up with. But it's basically handwriting um, three pages, um, just stream of consciousness every morning. Um, and the concept is just kind of like get your monkey mind out of the way so that you can actually show up to create with not your monkey mind um but I you know there's times that I handwrite it times that I type it times that I only get one page but I think it's been the like single most potent supportive practice in my life that has made space for a lot of creative things and also made space for me to process a lot of things um and also made it really easy to write because when you write three pages of garbage every day you know (laughs) end up with a notebook filled with writing that if you don't actually read it you're like oh I wrote a whole book so then you're like oh I can write anything (laughs) That's so true. It improves your brain. You can write things. (laughs) Yeah. So morning pages, look them up. (laughs) 
Yeah. If you enjoy typing it, um, there's a website that I use called 750words.com. That's like a written version of it that like gamifies it and shows you like metadata about all the shit that you're writing. It's very cool. Um, So if you like to, if you're better at typing than handwriting, though, it's a great way to improve your handwriting, I will say also. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Oh, I have never thought about it that way because I really like to write, but I get very discouraged. So I'll Mm -hmm. often like start and stop different things. But yeah, I've written if you look at all the notebooks laying around this room, right. <laughs> I've, I've written enough for like several books. <laughs> written tons. Yeah. Oh, no, that was that's always cool. a good thing to have something so delicious too about just notebooks. Yeah. Writing. It's so delicious. Yeah. It is so delicious. And I like writing in cursive and that feels mm-hmm. like so cozy. Yeah. And it's the thing that yeah. needs practice for most of us now that we live in a digital world. Like I think yeah. people uh, people always say, I really love your handwriting. It's like because I write three pages every day <laughs> or like most days. <laughs> it used to be terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I love yeah. that so much. Oh, thank you so much again. This was such a treat. And thank you. um always let me know when you have new stuff coming out because I'll definitely yeah. I want to promote that and I want to know about it for me. (laughs) Yes, of course. On a log, I will definitely share. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you you so much for having me.